to know that our God has risen and he is alive. What a praise to the mighty God we serve. I've always looked at uh, Easter as my favorite holiday as a Christian. It was great to know that uh, Jesus was born, born of a virgin, but it was even greater when he got up from the grave, when he rose with all victory. So I'm so glad to hear, I'm always hearing that son. That is truly, that's the gospel, that he died for our sins and he got up and rose with all power. Amen. Truly, we're grateful to be in the house of the Lord once more. And I won't be long the time because time waits for no man and I know everybody got plans for today, but let's start our plans with him. So our scripture today is coming from Proverbs 15. And we're going to go verses 1 through 6. Proverbs 15, 1 through 6. And I'm in the King James Version. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth much knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a, is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Let us pray. God, my Father, as I come to you as an empty picture before an ever-flowing fountain, I'm praying, God, that you speak through your humble servant on this day, that my human frailties do not interfere with your righteousness. I'm thankful that you have called the righteous. You have called me righteous, however. It's not because of what I've done or who I am or who I grow up with or my family, but it's or even the church I attend, but it's all because you got up from the grave. Amen. I am aware that your word will accomplish what it must, but I'm praying, God, that someone would accept the word and begin their personal walk toward salvation. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in thy sight, for you are my Lord and my Redeemer. Amen. Now we're going to use a topic for today, the gospel, his gospel or yours. His gospel or yours. Now, we all know that Satan has a plan. His plan has not changed. His plan ultimately is to silence the gospel. So today as we continue with our journey through Proverbs, it brings us to chapter 15, and I always pray before and while I'm writing a sermon, and I actually have a couple of sermons that I had already prepared just in case, you know, when I was called for emergency, but when I prayed, he led me a completely different way, and I just, basically, he, he, it, the whole message came to me like at a flash. I just had to be patient and write it down the way he gave it to me, and I hope it's delivered the way he would please him. But the topic is his gospel or yours. And in Proverbs 15 and 1, it starts off by saying, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. 
You know, when people come to you or to us in wrath, in anger, we are often tempted to be harsh to someone else as our response. We try to match the energy that was brought to us. Wisdom shows us the value of a soft answer, one without sharp edges or points. That kind of answer can actually turn away wrath. Turn away wrath. Soft speech is like the oil-bruised skin to soften and heal. Painful speech has the effect of oil being poured on a fire. Oftentimes, we deliver, you know, our delivery will uh, interfere with the message that we're trying to send. When we try and when we mirror uh, energy with energy, it, comes, it can come out the wrong way and you can stir things up more than you intended. But we should, with the help of the Lord, with the help of the Holy Ghost, and with every other strength we can, try to give wrath with a kind response. When they come at you, all oh, man, you try to bring it down. Regardless of what the issue is, our, uh, with wisdom, we will learn that we don't give back the energy the same way it's given to us. But a soft answer brings about, turns away wrath. It will stop it. Uh, I often said, I got it from somebody else, though, but it says when somebody's always throwing you salt, you throw back sugar. And he said that eventually they're going to have, they're going to run out of salt and all they're going to have is sugar to throw back. Basically, if you continue to give them kind words, they will, they, the mean words will, will cease at some point. And then they'll only have nice things to say because of what you say to them. But that's a soft answer in response. The tongue, in verse 2 it says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge, all right, but the mouth of fools poured out foolishness. We use knowledge rightly, expressing what he knows prudently and gracefully, taking due care both what and when and whom we're speaking to in the matter that we speak. This is very difficult to know when to speak, when to be silent, what to speak, and what to leave unspoken. The manner that is best and most suitable for the occasion, the circumstances, and the persons. Even the wise counsel can make a mistake and be foolishly given at the wrong time or given to the wrong person at the wrong time. So we've got to, with wisdom, learn how to respond to people. Amen. And it says it pours out foolishness. Some tra translation says, it bubbles out or it blurts out. You can't, a fool can't help but be a fool. Amen. It's going to come out if it's in them. Uh, I always, but you need, you need to learn to use your knowledge wisely. You don't have to prove to everybody how smart you are. You don't have to always prove that you are right. I, I use the term that uh, it's better to be thought of a fool than to open your mouth and, and prove that you are. Amen. So sometimes you don't have to speak for every situation to defend every battle. And it says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Uh, there's a person I know, not personally, but I see him a lot. He's like a bully. Uh, if he sees a flaw in someone, he'll point it out. 
And then eventually he'll give that person a nickname so that when you see that person, you'll remember that name that he gave and associate that nickname toward that person that he gave. You know, he'll give you a half truth and then make it fact. He'll take a lie and say it so much that when somebody contradicts the lie that he says, he calls it fake news. I know some of y'all might know the person as well. But it, it, it often happens in, in Christmas how certain things that come out that aren't true, it messes with the truth of who Jesus really is. Uh, there's, there's a song that uh, I heard, uh, and it, Santa Claus is coming to town. And in part of it, it says, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sakes. Now, that's talking about uh, an omnipotent person, an omniscient person. Uh, that's talking about a person that's, that can see everything and, and, and know everything. But when you find out that that's not true, it's, it, it sometimes hinders people from accepting the true message because they heard that back then and, and they don't want to trust anymore. Like uh, I know a person that used to say, you fooled me once, uh, uh, shame on you. You fooled me twice, uh, don't ever fool me again. <laughs> That's how he said but you know how the saying goes. Fool me once, shame on you, on me. Fool me twice, shame, I can't remember it either. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the point is that when you spread those other things that, we, that, that goes on during this season, it takes, off, takes away from the message and makes some people not really trust some things that seem un unbelievable. But if we live in today, we know that things are possible. For instance, now, they, uh, Brandon showed me this app, I can't remember, where you can see constellations all the time. You can look at your phone and point it to show you what constellation is there. But what I noticed that many of the star things we think are stars are actually satellites. There are thousands of satellites that rotate, well, I don't know if they rotate or we rotate. I guess they are rotating with us. But they're all around. And at any point, they can zoom in to see whatever they want to see with thousands of uh, uh, satellites above. But not only that, now we got these cameras. People got cameras everywhere. They can pretty much see the whole neighborhood with just a few houses with cameras. My point is, if we can do that and we can see so many things with our technology, I can't help but to see that, know that God can do it too. Now, the dilemma is I don't know how he does it, but I know he does it. He sees all and he knows all. Amen? Amen. Now, I even mentioned on last week about the devices that you have. They can also hear what you're saying. So, God, if they can do all these things, God can also do it as well. It says, his eyes are in every place beholding the evil and the good. First of all, it says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach of the spirit. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Good words are like a tree that continually brings life from its shade and from its fruit. Our words have power, the power to do far more than we often think. Perverseness, it says, breaks the spirit. It 
someone, if someone's tongue is perverse, twisted, crooked, corrupt, instead of wholesome, their words will break the spirit of others. You heard the, term, the scripture, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Brandon preached on that. And it truly is. The way you speak to people affects them more than you realize. Amen. It says, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Proverbs was initially written as advice from a father to his children. Now Solomon was a young ruler. In order to be able to govern people, he prayed to God for wisdom. And we know that as a result of him praising God for wisdom, God was so pleased with his unselfish prayer that he gave him riches and gave him long life. But God blessed him so that not only believers may receive it, not only his son, but also that believers will receive the blessing. But I wonder sometimes if Solomon had children like ours who think that they know everything, think they can do everything, think you don't know nothing about this time. That's, you know, many times that's what we get from children, but Solomon was the wisest to ever live, and I'm pretty sure out of the many hundreds of children that he had, at least one of them did him like that, if not more. But <clears throat> he who reproves corruption, correction is prudent. Learning wisdom is more than learning facts. It is to receive correction. If what we learn only confirms what we already know, a problem isn't wisdom that we're learning. Amen. In the house of the wicked, it's much trouble. But in the revenues of the wicked, in the house of the righteous is much treasure. But in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. In the house of the righteous, there's so much treasure because wisdom and godliness tend to bring prosperity. <clears throat> Generally true of material treasure. Thankfully, the treasure in the house of the righteous isn't only material. The greater treasure is spiritual. Every righteous man is a rich man. Whether he has money or less things in life, he's a rich man if he has God in his life. And the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Even with the wicked man, he can earn more, but when he earns, it becomes a problem. It becomes more problem. The more he gets, the more problem he receives. Instead of enjoying the treasure, instead of treasure, they get trouble. Amen. We, we, on Sunday school, we talked about how, uh, we were talking about revenue and, and economy, and we brought up a point that Point that, uh, let me see. We basically summed it up as we should be good stewards, that's it, that of what we have and take opportunities to help others when presented. We also mentioned that you're not supposed to keep up with the Joneses because you don't know what the Joneses had to do to get what they got. And if you go on trying to keep up with them instead of enjoying what you have, you will be miserable. So don't try to keep up with everybody else and what they're doing. Just realize what you are, what you have. If it's paid for, you're blessed because you don't know how much they got to work, how many sleepless nights they have because they're trying to keep up what they have gained. 
As we continue to uh, study Proverbs, we'll see that certain topics keep reoccurring. And it's mainly because King Solomon was speaking initially to his children. And, you know, sometimes you have to continue to repeat things in order for them to receive them. Sometimes because of their attention span, and sometimes it's just because they know you so much and they don't want to accept it from you. But somebody else can come and say the same thing, and they'll receive it wholeheartedly. But because they expect you to always tell them, they don't always receive it. But God rarely has to repeat them. No doesn't have to repeat himself. What he says lasts forever. <clears throat> he doesn't have to remind the sun to rise every morning or let the seeds stay in place or remind the wolves the way their family should be structured. He gave it and it's the same today as it ever was. Now we are living in a generation that everything seems to be changing. Family values are so different now than they were when I grew up. Uh, on the TV shows, you will see Leave it to Beaver or, or Good Times or Happy Days or, or even Sanford and Son. And all of these will give a structure of a family. And that family, even though it wasn't completely traditional, it was still family. And we could see that on the TV. But nowadays, they've got so much, uh, they're putting, the writers are putting so much emphasis on LGBT whatever, LGBTQ. They're putting so much information uh, onto that that just about every show or that you turn on has a reference to that. Uh, and I really wasn't paying attention, but I was listening to the morning show uh, on the radio was on, and it was a guy, I think it was Gary with a T, and he was saying that it's too much. He's gay, by the way, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. But they were, he was saying it was too much. And him and the DeBrat, who is also gay, both said that everything, there's not that many gay people in the world for every show to be having it. They were getting tired of it, but that's what's going on now. They want to try to write so much in that it's steering people the wrong way. I was watching this show the other day, the movie, and in the movie, the father figure uh, didn't want to... Uh, just say that his daughter was a girl. He waited to say, you know, what she wanted and make sure that she was happy with what she wanted. But then he said, if you're not happy with what God gave you, when you get older, you can change it. I was so upset that they will put that in a little child's mind. But it's not just in that little child's mind. It's going across the world because People are changing, and they're changing in the wrong way. They're changing away from God. Amen. I remember when I was in Walmart with both of my, well, with Rhea and RJ, and there was a person in the line, and Rhea, you know how children are. She was about three. Loudly, is that a boy or a girl? You know, loudly, and and I had to talk to her. I said, no, no, just be quiet. I'll tell you later. And I tell you, it's not your fault that you asked that question because I don't know what, what it was, what they were either. So it's confusing because of the way people are. And when it's confusing, to me, it's not of God because God is not an offer of confusion. You should be able to know what somebody is when you see them. Amen? Amen. They, they even got this school in Birmingham that, that I uh, had to take somebody to several days and pick them up. 
the acceptance school have gotten to the point where you tell the teachers what you are. You give them a pronoun and you, you know, are that way. It's supposed to be a school against bullying, but what's going on is that the ones that are strangers are actually bullying the people that are more normal, <laughs> you know. So it's still going on, but not the way that it used to be. But as we just now, as we go through, we find other things change. Change is inevitable, but there is a standard, and God's word is that standard, and His word does not change. Some things as a Christian you may address an issue, you can do it as humbly as possible, yet the words that you're saying goes against the cause that somebody is trying to promote. And because you're doing that, because you're saying something that's against them, they will do all they can to silence you. For this reason, we must be careful when addressing certain people with certain issues. Satan's biggest tactic is to silence you. He tried it with Jesus. Herod put a hit on baby Jesus. Had people watching all over the region looking for the baby. But that didn't silence him. They tried to silence him from birth. Herod tried to kill him, but that didn't silence him. Pontius Pilate, they thought they silenced him when they killed him, but that didn't silence him. They thought they silenced him when they blocked a tomb with that big stone, but that didn't silence him. Now they're trying to stop the gospel by, what, by silencing us. They, 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 they thought they stopped it when, they, when the disciples uh, got killed and they, they thought they said, but the more they did, the more the word passed, the more the word spread. Nothing they could do could stop the spreading of the gospel. So we tend to sometimes take it personal when we are attacked. We, we, we look at the attack as an attack on us, but the attack is not on us, it's on the gospel. So as I opened, I said that uh, meet wrath, you don't meet wrath with wrath, but you meet it with a soft answer and in love. And that's because it's not our gospel, it's his. It's his gospel, not ours. That simplifies our mission. Nothing you can do to me can change that fact. You can attack my character. They did it to him. You can attack my body. But by his stripes, I'm healed. You can attack my ministry, but it's never mine anyway. Just continue to spread the word. Continue to spread his gospel, no matter what is going on with you. And know that he will take care of you. In, in my closing, I'm reminded of Paul and Silas when they, when they were locked in jail in, in Acts 16. Uh, he was having a hard time trying to figure out where his next place to go. And the Lord revealed to him in a dream to go to Macedonia. Now, even though Macedonia was his destination, he wasn't silent until he got there. All the way he was on the route, he was telling people how much they needed salvation. And while he was doing this, he ran across a lady named Lydia, who soon received salvation. And she made them aware that they, she has a lot of connections in her family and in the inner circle 
all need this message that you're giving. Now, Paul was in Philippi, in Philippi with, with, with Lear at this time, and it was the biggest city in Macedonia. And Paul and Silas, they stayed there a few days. But while they were staying there, they were going back and forth. And there was a young girl that was a fortune teller, and she would, every time she saw them, they would say, uh, uh, these men are servants of the Most High God. And she cried this out everything, every day. These men are the servants of the Most High God who will proclaim the way to salvation. Now, I don't know if she was doing this to mock them or she was just letting it be known to just speaking truth. But, but Paul, it annoyed Paul that every time he walked by that she did this. So when it became so annoyed to them, they prayed and, and said, get out in the name of Jesus. And the spirit left her. Now, one thing about it, when the spirit left her, it also left her ability to tell fortunes. And the people who, in the Bible says, owned her, they got upset because uh, they messed up their moneymaker. And, you know, with all those people coming in, you know, from all different ways, and she could tell who they were. So a lot of people lost money as a result of Paul casting that demon out. Now, they got upset. And they went to the, the magistrate and told the magistrate that these men are, are here teaching a false gospel and they're tearing up the city. <laughs> they're messing up the city because they messed them up. But they took that to the magistrate and the magistrate went and got them. Now, when he got them, they said he, they beat them up first. Then they brought them before. And then when the magistrate saw them, he stripped them of their clothes. And then took them to prison. Now, the marketplace, just picture a big Walmart with everything in it. I mean, you got you already got food, clothing, and all of that, but they also had tax collectors, uh, bill collectors. Uh, they got that too now in some places. But in the magistrate, the courthouse, all that was in this place. So you had all manners of people right there in that place. And they all were there to see what, this, what had happened to Paul and Silas. Now, that right there would give most of us a reason to turn around. But the enemy attacked his ministry. He was literally locked up because of what he preached. The enemy attacked his body. It's hard to preach when you're hurt. The enemy attacked his pride, putting him in front of all the people, basically naked. It's hard to preach when you're ashamed. Now, the enemy does these little tricks to get you to get off of the point of what's going on and to focus on you. And when you focus on you, you can't be spreading the gospel. And that's the enemy's main trick. He did it then and he continues to do it to this day. Well, but while you're in a situation, most people would definitely look internal, thinking it must have been something that I have done. It's okay to look, but don't get stuck there. You've, you've heard the scripture, you will know them by their fruit. But thank God it's not always true, because Jesus would be the worst man to ever lived. 
if they said he got what he deserved when he died on the cross. He hung on that cross with all sin, all our sin, not because of what he did, but because of what we did. Amen. Amen. But, but, but we're not supposed to just stay looking at ourselves, thinking it was something about us, because it's simply there's a season for everything. Now it's cold. Winter is not officially here yet. It's coming soon, but it feels like it's here today. But, but there's a season for everything in life. You, you can't go outside right now and uh, pick up plums off a plum tree. Not, not right now. Uh, you can't get pecans by Sarah Brooke. Love these pecans that's out there in that tree. I can't, yeah, it's over there. She loves those pecans that's in that tree. But one thing about pecans, they are uh, alternate bearers of fruit, meaning they don't put out fruit every year. They don't put out pecans every year. Now, now there'll be a good year, then there'll be a couple, you know, a, a year that's not so good. Uh, there'll be less fruit on the tree. Uh, they might, be, might not be developed, and they might not taste as good next year. But this year is very fruitful. But that sometimes happens in life. You know, you can go through things and, and, and you think that all, everything is about to bust loose on you. But it's just because right now is not the season for you to be uh, up and, you know, and, and prosperous and, and in good health. And, and, and different things come on because that's the season. But one thing about it, it's going to change. It won't last always. But, but while you are in it, don't get stopped. Don't, don't stop. You've you got to continue to spread the gospel because you're not spreading your gospel. You're spreading his, and it hasn't changed. These situations may change in your life, in your body, your circumstances, but if you're working for him, it, that has not changed. So you can continue on spreading the gospel. Amen. Just look at Job, Job 14 and 14. It says, if a man's die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time, I will wait till my change come. If Job could wait through all that, truly we should be able to. But while we wait, what are we supposed to do? We should continue on the mission. Keep spreading the gospel. Now, Paul and Silas were put in jail. They were praying and singing hymns unto God. When an earthquake came and their bonds were loose <clears throat> and the doors were open. The jailer was preparing to kill himself because he was just certain that they had already left. But, but Paul decided to stay and they told the jailer to do yourself no harm for we are here. Now when it comes to something personal it loses its effectiveness. We are to still stay there the, jail, the jailer then received salvation as a result of them staying through that. He and his entire family were baptized. But, but in the morning, the magistrate came back. They're still there. Sent the police to release them. But Paul said, you beat me openly. You stripped me openly. You bound me openly. If he wants me released, he needs to come and do it openly. You don't do me like this and then go back silent like nothing ever happened. We realize we're not fighting. If we're fighting for him, 
things will come out. The truth will always prevail. Sometimes you may have to go through a situation, but not because of what they did. It was just because of it was that time. Paul let them know that you, if you're going to release me, you got to release me openly. The, the magistrate did come and release them and told them to get out of town. But you remember when, when, when Pilate, Paul, right before Paul and Silas were arrested, they were on their route to, to minister to Lydia and their families. So when the magistrate did, leave, did free Paul and Silas, they did exactly what they would continue to do. They did leave town, but after they ministered to Lydia and her family. All that went on that most of us would have forgotten about that, you know, that opportunity because they were in jail. Now, surely she don't expect us to come. Now we locked up. But no, they continued on that mission to all they went through to be able to minister to Lydia and her family. Spreading the gospel, it should be about him, never about us. Stay on task, in season or out of season, whether happy or sad, up or down, keep spreading his gospel. If it's about him, then it's simple. Just living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried all my sins away. Rising, he justified me. Freed me forever. One day he's coming back, glorious day. That's the gospel. He lived because he loved me. He died to save me. Hey Amen. He was buried, but he didn't stay there. That's the gospel. Sometimes we just need to make it simple, you know, make it plain so that, that people can get it but, and, and remove ourselves out of the way because truly everybody goes through something. Everybody, you don't have to announce to everybody what you're going through. But if you announce everything what he went through, then somebody might be saved. Amen. Let us pray. God, we're so grateful for the word on this day. We thank you for allowing me to speak this word. And we pray that you will bless all the hearers and remain steadfast and that they will do all that they can to, to stay on task and spread the gospel that you have freely given to us. I pray that this season we realize the vast opportunities presented to us in this world and share the word as we see them and while we're doing so that people will see less of us and see more of you. God, I pray that regardless of what season in life we are going through now, that we don't look at ourselves and look at our predicaments, but we stay focused on our mission to, to continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is in his name that I truly pray. Lord, I say amen.